happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Caitlin. Yeah, Jamie. Do you want to go to a, up to a treehouse and smoke cigarettes and or make out? <laughs> um, Yeah. But I do. <laughs> for some reason, one of us should pretend to not remember it happened until the end and be like, no, I totally remembered it. And then we'll start making out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then do you want to watch a whole TV series with me? Honestly, no. I But I don't want to do that with anybody. What if oh. also I was sort of I, I it depends on the series, right? Well, like, what if it's the jinx? If it was, of course, of course, <laughs> if it was jinx, I would watch it again. But what if she was like svu and you're like no that's such a commitment 30 30 years worth of tv i can't do that shout out to the episode of law and order svu that i was an extra in thank you very much Uh, do you know how i mean it's just so like there's so many episodes how would (laughs) how would we find it i would watch that episode with you and then we could uh make out we can't smoke cigarettes i hate cigarettes yeah me too all right. Anyway. This is how the negotiation should have gone <laughs> in the treehouse. Anyways, welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. My name is Caitlin Durante, and this is our show where we analyze movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechdel test simply as a jumping off point to initiate a, a larger conversation yes. about representation in film and such. A f- freaky little diving board (laughs) and yeah we are covering I think this is one of the more recent movies we have covered Mm -hmm. in recent uh months I feel like for some reason we have been really not trapped but like really in 2003 to 2006 it's just kind of where we've been living which is interesting because it was such a bizarro time so I'm (laughs) I'm thrilled to be propelled into the present with a modern rom-com. I think Mm -hmm. a a genre that uh, isn't getting much love these days. Um, It's true. I think that the whole genre needs an update, mm -hmm. honestly. And I think that this movie, What's Love Got to Do With It? question mark from 2022, Mm -hmm. does interesting things to give like a modern spin on 
rom-com tropes and I'm excited to talk about them. I agree. Yeah, this movie, it's, it's a very sweet movie. It's a very rom-commy movie, but there's way more to it. And it's also, I mean, it has an interesting backstory. And it also, it's so nice to watch a rom-com where you don't need to, at least to the same degree, like trudge through these dated tropes and be like, okay, I have to make excuses in my head. I have to like do a Mission Impossible like laser thing <laughs> to get to be able to enjoy this. It's It's... A modern rom-com. Yes. Imagine. And to be clear, this is not the What's Love Got to Do With It, the 1993 biopic. I don't know. I've okay. never seen it. It's a drama. Okay. It's a mu- Tina Turner. It's, this is not that movie. It's a really incredible performance. I will say, I think maybe one of my biggest notes with this movie is why did they call it this when that is already a famous movie? It's so confusing <laughs> and it's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. Um, however... You should find, I honestly think that you should, there should be a double feature programmed somewhere mm. where you just watch both what What's Love Got to Do With It. Especially, yeah. I think I would do, ooh, this is my Barbenheimer for What's Love Got to Do With It, both of <laughs> yeah. them. Uh-huh. I would say that the Tina Turner biopic first and this as a, as a lighthearted palate cleanser because mm. what's love got to do with it, uh, the first one has pretty, pretty, it gets, it gets intense. Sure. I've never seen it, so I can't speak to it. We'll cover it on What's Love Got to Do With It March. Um, <laughs> Over on the Matreon. Um, but so anyway, we are covering the 2022 film written by Jemima Khan and directed by Shakar Kapoor. And we have an amazing guest here to discuss this movie with us. We certainly do. She is the producer and host of the podcast Immigrantly and the co-producer and co-host of the podcast Invisible Hate. It's Sadia Khan. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you? Welcome. So good. How are you? I am good. And I'm so excited to dissect this movie with you. But just an FII, when I recommended it, I realized it's only available on Prime with like Mm. you have to rent it. And I felt so bad. I was like, oh, my gosh, do we have to really rent it? I don't know how you watched it or where you watched it, but I I rented it, watched it and then recommended. Yes, we all gave Jeff Bezos our four dollars. I gave uh, I don't remember who Mrs. YouTube is. I gave Mrs. YouTube four dollars. Ah. Oh, okay. Nice. So it could be an equally evil transaction. I'm not really sure. It probably is. Probably, you know, statistically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to detox myself after that, but that's fine. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Anytime you give Jeff Bezos money, you just have to take like a long, a long shower and be like, right, <laughs> right. tomorrow will be better. I know it. And then like <laughs> donate to a local mutual aid effort yeah so Sadia what's your relationship with this movie so it's interesting how until I was finalized to come on your show I I wasn't really thinking of watching this I had heard of it there was so much buzz around it Mm -hmm. the screenplay is written by Jemima Khan she is ex-wife of former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan, who mm-hmm. was a very, very famous cricketer in the 80s and 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a huge crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> I still do, but he's he almost 70 now, hot. I think. <laughs> he is. He used to be a lot hotter. But 
Anyways, um, so for me, this movie embodies so much that we don't see in mainstream media in the West. It's a rom-com that mm-hmm. features a Pakistani-British family. Um, it's outside the stereotypical representation of Muslims. A mm-hmm. uh, Muslim man being a terrorist and Muslim woman being oppressed. And so I was, I was drawn to it from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And then when you guys approached me and I thought, why not discuss something that people are probably not aware of or is not part of their consciousness? And Mm -hmm. maybe we can talk about something that's fun, but at the same time, they can go watch it and Mm -hmm. just see a different side of a Muslim family. Totally. Yeah, I wasn't aware of this movie until you pitched it to us, even though it has... um, some like pretty big names in it in the cast Mm -hmm. i was like oh what's this little indie comedy (laughs) right and then you're like oh no everyone in this movie is very famous famous (laughs) Uh, i also hadn't i mean it just came out in the u.s two months ago or so i guess it was released in the u.s in may but Mm -hmm. even so i feel like i should have heard more uh, more about it Same. but I'm, I'm very glad I watched it and I'm really glad you uh, you brought it to us because um, yeah I think certainly growing up in the U.S. the uh, anti-Muslim sentiment in the world and also especially in I feel like a lot of media that you consumed voluntarily or through just cultural osmosis mm-hmm. when we were when we were younger and still now um, is just not inclusive uh it's very clear what the point of view is when talking about pakistani characters and mm-hmm. yeah this this movie felt like a breath of fresh air totally uh, and it, i was really interested in sort of the background of how it was how it was made and i just love rom-coms so much like <laughs> i just am a sucker for people kissing in a treehouse. unfortunately <laughs> it is pretty cute it's pretty cute yeah i uh I'm less thrilled by rom-coms in general, as listeners of the show probably know. But I I like them in theory. It's just that the execution of them is often like riddled with so many problematic things, um, as we've also discussed a lot on the show. Which but, this movie um, is not immune to. I feel like true. there's no such thing as a perfect... I, I don't know. I have yet to see a rom-com that completely subverts tropes it is so true mm-hmm. I, I not that i don't believe it's possible and not that i wouldn't die in the pursuit of <laughs> making the first perfect rom-com but it's it's a genre that's so tr- i mean the idea of like true love is so tropey that like accessing that i feel like it's so tough without without some level of troping not to excuse mm-hmm. it but i was like not not shocked that 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 and when any rom-com you're like oh there there it is there's Mm -hmm. the wise grandmother (laughs) imparting advice this is what happens in this genre it's true so yeah should we just dive into the recap and go from there yeah let's do it all right okay so we are in london england ever heard of it and we meet zoe played by lily james who goes to a wedding where she reconnects with her childhood friend Kaz, played by Shazad Latif, 
Kaz, who was born in the UK, but whose family comes from Pakistan, tells Zoe that he has asked his parents to arrange a marriage for him, or rather like assist in his pursuit of finding a partner. And Zoe cannot wrap her head around anyone wanting to marry someone who they don't already know and already love. Um, She is looking for love and she dates around, but has not been able to find the right guy for her. Yes, which we find out through one of the tropier elements of this movie that was making me laugh because I'm like, well, this isn't hurting anyone. It's just corny where she (laughs) there's this like through line of she's telling her nieces fairy tales in this like I don't know Mm. it was it was really giving 2012 to me where it was like once there was a beauty and there was a beast but wait this beauty was trying to break the glass ceiling you're like all right (laughs) right yeah she's like once upon a time Cinderella cared more about the glass ceiling than glass slippers I was like wow like wow interesting hearing from Lily James who literally played Cinderella (laughs) (gasps) wow felt like there's a little wink (laughs) there's a little wink going on Mm -hmm. um okay so Zoe who is a documentary filmmaker pitches and gets like studio backing or like production company funding or I don't know she's talking to some suits who are very I liked (laughs) I liked the the film bros those are like some of my favorite trophy because especially because the writer is a documentarian and so you just hear these Mm. like two like I don't know it didn't feel totally overwrought where it's just like two white guy executives being like "Ooh, woman movie okay let's do it (laughs) that's they're so hot right now so let's make money off it you could you could see that they were just you know um checking different boxes and they were a bit assholey but then the depiction was realistic in some ways as well totally like so many industry people are exactly that way Anyway, so she pitches this documentary about Kaz's arranged slash assisted marriage. And the film bros are like, yeah, go for it. And then Kaz, after some convincing, reluctantly and eventually agrees to be the subject of this documentary. And so Zoe starts filming and interviewing him. They're talking about this relationship dynamic where Zoe says like what about love and Kaz says the name of the movie basically he's like what's love got to do with it he's like you don't always have to start in love you can grow to love someone over time and she just again continues to have a hard time wrapping her head around this Mm-hmm. Um, she also films Kaz and his parents, Aisha and Zahid, uh, played by Shabana Azmi and Jeff Mirza. They're all meeting with this matchmaker guy whose name is Mo, and they're going over the various criteria that they want in a partner for Kaz. Mm-hmm. Then Zoe films Kaz going to this Muslim matchmaking event, but he doesn't meet anyone there who he clicks with because he is still looking for some kind of spark or click. It was making me like I I this was this was so goofy like journalist brain. But mm-hmm. when she was filming the whole like mixer, I was like, 
okay, she's going to get 300 releases today. Best of luck with that, <laughs> Lily James. That's yeah. a lot of paperwork, lady. But we uh, never see her do any of... A lot of my criticisms of this movie is the way that she makes her documentary. I'm like, this is not correct. You know, you're right. <laughs> no. It's it's they, they keep telling us how big a documentarian she is, but then you mm-hmm. don't see it reflected in the movie and I also want to go crew she's not I don't know what she's doing right (laughs) and then I also want to go back to Mo's scene where um, Mm -hmm. Kazim's parents are basically sharing a list of you know traits that they want in their daughter-in-law now that Mm -hmm. that particular scene is pretty much emblematic of problematic cultural norms that exist within South Asian culture and also Mm -hmm. in the context of arranged marriage. And Kazim keeps saying that he wants to click, but then fast forward to the the Mm bride-to-be, he just... He just settles like he doesn't even want to have any shared, any common interests. And we'll come to that, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of contradictions. They don't click at all. Like it's I really fe- weird. And, and why settle for somebody a decade younger? Like, dude, you could mm. you could say no to that. Yeah, right. You could take a second Skype call. It seems <laughs> like very possible. I was confused. Yeah, I feel like there were times where Kaz would say something, but then do something far more passive. Mm-hmm. His character was interesting. Yeah, because he was like, oh, he had like this list of like, this is what I w- want in a partner and like the click. But yeah, but then the way that their meeting is, their first meeting, I mean, it's fine that it's so awkward, but that, but it stays that way. And he seems to resent her for being her age, which... Mm he knew and he's like why does she like to dance and you're like because she's 22 that's that's why that is why yeah so we're about to get to that part where kaz's parents want to introduce him to a woman named maimuna who lives in lahore pakistan and he meets her over skype she's played by sajal ali um, they meet over Skype and she's very quiet and reserved and it seems very awkward at first, but they eventually find some common ground off screen, apparently off screen. Off screen. <laughs> we, he's like, no, you know, we've been texting and calling and we, we like each other now. It's like, and it's like, I'll believe it when you? I see it. <laughs> right. You can see from the get go that she's not interested in him. Like she is totally, totally, totally out of it. Um, yeah. yeah, and we'll find out why shortly. But um, I was honestly relieved when we found out why, because I was like, "This," I I just felt for it because he was like judging her so kind of like not like overtly, but like behind the scenes, he definitely was judging her. And I was like, "She, she yeah. did nothing wrong." I know. <laughs> she just wants to be a human rights attorney. Yeah, Yeah. and ultimately, ultimately, Kaz and Zoe deserve each other because they're both so boring and kind of judgmental. (laughs) I'm glad you said that. Zoe is so judgmental and we could do an entire episode on how judgmental she is. Like, it's not like she thinks there's something good about assisted or arranged marriage. She's not or she's not trying to approach it from a place of curiosity. 
She's judging it not, throughout the film, in right? In every scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way yeah. that is like, it's so funny because it's like I know that Jemima Han is a very like talented, decorated documentary producer, but I'm just like, but then she would know that you can't just press pause and be like, you're wrong. <laughs> like, that's not how, that's not how that works. You're, that's. How- that's no. not impartial. <laughs> yeah, there's no ob- objectivity to her approach, but yeah, we'll yeah. we'll discuss that further. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Zoe pays a visit to her mom, Kath, played by Emma Thompson, who is pressuring Zoe to get married and start a family, and she's trying to set Zoe up with her vet, James. But Zoe isn't really having it. There's also a scene where she considers freezing her eggs. Felt bad for James. James, he seems sweet. Another person in this movie who did nothing wrong and is just judged. And ooh, that scene where Lily James is is doing her goofy thing she does with her nieces where she tells them boring stories that are about her secretly. Um, (laughs) Where she's just talking shit about James. To her nieces. I was like, what are you doing? And then yeah. he's standing right there because it's a rom-com. I'm like, man. Yeah, and he's like, damn, she doesn't love me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and she feels comfortable sharing that with a seven-year-old for some reason. And for some reason, the seven-year-old is so interested in her story. <laughs> These seven-year-olds are missing the point. Yeah, but now I'm going to now I'm gonna laser in on the seven-year-old to be like, <laughs> they were. And then she's like, and then she was in love. And Lily James is like, no, she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. even judging seven-year-olds by the way yeah it's she true. is so it's so frustrating when it's like i don't know because there is such a having a the likability of women characters across media is so often discussed in a very disingenuous way and you hear it because from people who just generally don't seem to like women very much mm. however uh zoe is not i did not find her to be likable at all i did not like her yeah especially again she spends the whole movie being like this cultural practice of yours is weird and i hate it and it's like (laughs) um yeah wow maybe don't be like that anyway so um yeah her mom's trying to set her up with James the vet she's not really having it she also considers freezing her eggs um, because she does she says she wants to be a mother although she'd rather be a father which I thought was pretty funny but um, she decides that freezing her eggs is not a good option for her after all Um, then her best friend Helena tells Zoe that she found out that her husband Harry has been cheating on her for a while Um, Also, Zoe hooks up with a man who she later realizes is married and cheating on his wife with Zoe. So Zoe is losing more and more faith that this whole love and family thing could pan out for her or anyone, really. Mm. Then Kaz reveals to Zoe on camera, because she's still making her documentary with zero crew only one camera no microphones okay. no lighting etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> i didn't i didn't mind that they rom-comified the documentary job especially because the writer knew 
knew damn well that that's not how you make a documentary. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, it is kind of fun to be like a documentary is when you watch back film you shot while drinking a gigantic glass of wine. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be exactly. fun. Sure. You're just editing on iMovie on your personal <laughs> laptop. Uh, anyway, so Kaz reveals that he has gotten engaged to Maimuna, uh, and the wedding is in a month. And he invites Zoe and her mom, Kath, to come to Pakistan, where the wedding will be, to just hang out for a bit as he and his family gears up for this wedding. Mm-hmm. So they all arrive in Lahore and... Kaz meets his bride-to-be, Maimuna, in person for the first time. It's a bit awkward, and Zoe continues to question if he wants to go through with this, but he says he does. And Kaz takes Zoe to a bazaar. He puts a necklace on her. It feels very romantic, even though I would argue that these two people have zero chemistry on screen. (laughs) Um, As is so common. That is the make or break factor of any rom-com where it's like, I will watch absolute dog shit if (laughs) If I believe the two leads want to fuck each other. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) True. It's, It's such a beautiful thing to watch it is point is it seems like they're vibing a bit zoe is like remember how i was your first kiss in the treehouse and he's like no i don't remember that but then later he's like i've never forgotten i was lying before and you're like hmm, why the hell was he lying though i, I did not know. get that yeah is he just it- like denying his feelings for her because he knows that he's about to get married to someone else yeah maybe probably it's like that. it sounds like they were like 14 when this happened right like, they were what like do you lose tweens or something yeah um he wasn't <laughs> cheating on Maimuna. she was a baby when that happened <laughs> yeah she was four when that happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so kaz and zoe also talk about his sister jamila who the family has more or less disowned because she married a white non-muslim man and that broke her grandparents' hearts, and it just really upset the whole family, which is there in the story to imply that if Kaz and Zoe were to get together, it would be a huge disgrace to his family. Right. So the stakes are high. Then that night is the Mendy, the like pre-wedding party, where Maimuna is no longer the timid, soft-spoken, modest woman that we all thought she was. (laughs) She parties. Oh, she's drinking. Oh, she's smoking weed. Oh, she's tearing it up on the dance floor. Oh, she has gay friends. And so she's... sinner i lo- oh, i loved this scene for her where she like basically calls zoe a loser <laughs> like she's like okay if you're not fucking chill i guess i'll go over here she like she calls her cousin zoe old losers good for her she's like i thought you would be modern you know living in london and everything but you guys suck and i'm gonna go get fucked up on coke masalas on the dance I, floor i love maimuna i'm the <laughs> maimuna defense force <laughs> she she at first i was just like 
who is this woman who like she barely says a single sentence at a at a time um like one word responses and then all of a sudden she's like i'm a wild child i'm a girl's gone wild and i'm like yes more of this please you know but what i did not get was this this transition or this change in her behavior from the way she appeared on Skype versus the way she acted because if she is studying to be a human rights lawyer her family seems pretty modern she should have been less timid having those conversations with him so why was she acting the way she was during those Skype calls I did right. not get that I was curious about that yeah cuz I I thought that they were setting up a different character where I was like, oh, she's like socially awkward or that was like how it felt mm-hmm. when we met her. I was like, oh, she's really shy, maybe like she's not comfortable. But then you're like, mm, clearly that's not true. Maybe I, I don't know. The closest I was getting was like her family was like watching her have that conversation. But I don't know. Yeah, it's felt like right. a mismatch where it seemed like she has this big personality but when we're introduced to her, she's suppressing all of it. Right. That Skype call, I thought, was establishing, like, she's another, like, not good match for Kaz because they barely have a conversation. And she's saying she's giving him nothing and he's having to keep the conversation going. And I'm like, oh, they're not compatible. He has to find the next person. But it's like, no, that's who he ends up marrying. OK. Anyway, so... Kaz learns all this stuff about Maimuna, that she's, you know, a party animal, and it comes as quite of a shock to him. So he spends most of the evening hanging out with Zoe, whose feelings for each other seem to be bubbling closer to the surface. Uh, Then the following day is the marriage ceremony, where prior to the ceremony, Zoe tries to convince Kaz not to go through with it. And she's just like, everyone's pretending like you should stop pretending. Like, what about Jamila, your sister? She's not even here. Like, this is a facade. And he's like, just because you have horrible taste in men and you always end up with the wrong person doesn't mean that I will. Ooh, he goes, he really, (laughs) I was like, oh, ouch. What is he? I wrote down, I wrote down what he said because it hurt my feelings. Um, (laughs) He says, he says, I have a question. Does it hurt less when you aim low and miss? And I was like, oh, ouch. Wow. That was bad. Gnarly. I mean, to be fair, she's been really judgy towards him for weeks at this point. Yeah, true. But I was like, ooh, ooh, that was, that was, I, I felt that. In, in my gut. Also, he says something like, if the first guy you date is a dick, that's like a him problem. If the next 10 guys you date are also dicks, then maybe you should like look inward and, and see why that is. And I'm like, okay, as someone who has dated exclusively horrible men one after the other, yeah, people, and be- it's not my fault, <laughs> <laughs> I resented that statement. And also the beautiful irony is like, you're being a dick right now show me like (laughs) how are you being better uh Mm. men are wild uh yeah that was i was like you know there's a lot of things i don't care for in zoe's behavior but as like dating men and them all sucking like common experience yeah (laughs) it's so true um anyway so 
Kaz and Maimuna get married. Although Maimuna is crying an awful lot and we're wondering what's happening there. Yeah, so here's what I would say though. Um and, and the statement that um Kazim's mother makes, Aisha, mm-hmm. that a lot of women cry, even if they're really happy, that happens. It's a tradition. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to show how devastated you are, leaving your family behind, your parents. Mm-hmm. And those who don't cry, it's like it's kind of frowned upon and it used to be more intense obviously um 20 30 years ago now nobody really gives a shit um (laughs) but i remember i did not cry at all and i am telling you i was judged i was judged for not crying like there was you know a lot of gossip and conversations around it so yeah you you kind of you kind of have to pretend to cry sometimes you really do cry because mm-hmm. you're leaving your parents home and you have this strong attachment to your family coming from collectivist societies but mm-hmm. yeah so i wouldn't take that as a signal that she was unhappy because a lot of pakistani girls do cry sure yeah we do find out that she is crying at least partially because she is unhappy entering this marriage but yes kazim's mom was like Oh, it's it's tradition for for Pakistani women to cry as they leave their family. Um, so that's good to know. Yeah, because I I wasn't sure because of what we learned later if if Kaz's mom was just saying that to be like it's all good. Uh, mm-hmm. But okay, that's I I I didn't know that. God, mm-hmm. weddings are so like across cultures are so entrenched in performance. Yes, it is <laughs> like all weddings. Mm-hmm. our performance <laughs> yeah it's true um so then zoe returns to the uk and starts dating james the vet and he's such a sweet guy though like he is my <laughs> he, favorite character in this movie he is sweet he treats her well he seems to be emotionally mature but in the but she's like boo you like, then let him go <laughs> yeah him date someone who likes him i don't know why she stays with him because she clearly isn't in love with him and he's not the right guy for her i think i know why but it's she's it's misguided she's just such a doofus she truly is then it's time for a screening of zoe's documentary which has a mixed response where maimuna thinks it's beautiful and she loves it but kaz and his family are outraged that zoe included his sister Jamila and her non-Muslim husband. On top of that, James breaks up with Zoe because he knows that she's not in love with him and he doesn't want to be him. her. Like, yeah, he Finally. advocates. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was happy for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zoe gets word from the broy suits who are like funding the documentary that they are not going to move forward with the project because it's, quote, a diverse subject, which is great, but through a white lens, which is not so great. And it's like, well, why didn't you say that before she made the documentary? Like, why is this just now coming up? That was my confusion, too, because I was like, okay, fair point, but weird time to bring it up. Yeah. Because they already knew what it was going to be about as she pitched it. so. But they were so bowled over that by the fact that she was a woman that they 
<laughs> they forgot that she was white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So they don't get the intersectional part, right? They're like, mm-hmm. they didn't get that. Maybe the funders pointed out, maybe somebody said something to them and then mm-hmm. they realized, but yeah, they are typical bros. They don't know everything, right? Uh, they right. know very little, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, that was such an interesting plot point because I'm like, I don't disagree with what they're saying but it's wild that they stumbled on it because mm-hmm. we've watched her make this documentary and there has been no care <laughs> taken it's <laughs> like when because i think the phrase they use is white lens i'm like yeah that is quite literally what she was doing the whole time they're not wrong that's what i thought mm-hmm. too i was like okay good decision but too late i guess too late and why is it coming from those guys and not like Kaz's family for example like if I was them I would be like why are you a white lady the person to tell our story I think for them because she grew up being in their home maybe they see her as part of their family extended family so I don't think they see her as this white woman documenting their lives Um, Mm -hmm. so they don't see that her through that lens I guess yeah yeah but I, that's I, exactly what she does anyway <laughs> that's what she's doing yeah because it, it's I mean Kaz's family is so welcoming to Zoe and also it seems like her mom it seems like they are basically function as Kath's family mm-hmm. and I mean the Kath character will get to her Ooh. but um they're yeah they're they're very kind to the i had to look up their the stevenson family sure ah yes just whatever very rom-commy name yeah it felt like um zoe the point of view of zoe's documentary was so western in that like she she was just like well coming in with the assumption that her viewer would not respect or approve of assisted marriage in any way and being like, but I can prove that it's not all bad. Like it's just coming in with the perspective that obviously Western approaches to relationships are healthy and great, which is like, (laughs) Uh so all of this stuff has happened and Zoe is very depressed and lonely and defeated. And then we get a reveal that Maimuna is in love with someone back in Pakistan and that she went through with this marriage for her family who like insisted that she get married to Kaz. And he's like, well, what do we do now? And she says, we'll pretend like everyone else. I, my headcanon is that she was in love with another woman. We don't see who the person she's in love with, but I guess they I only like, are they are only referred to as someone else. Someone else. The mysterious someone else. Yes. Anyway, so she's like, we'll just pretend because that's what needs to be done. And then Kaz has a conversation with his mom where. She says that all she wants is for her kids to be happy. And he's like, well, I just want to be a good son. Meanwhile, Zoe and her mom are having a conversation about relationships and how Kath admires Zoe's independence, but also we all need other people. And I wish you would learn to 
let people care about you and not like close yourself off to everyone and you're like sure that's what you were trying to do by <laughs> forcing her to date a veterinarian <laughs> right um then zoe gets an email from kaz and maimuna where we don't know the whole message until kaz shows up for Eid at his parents' house, where he reveals that he and Maimuna are getting divorced because they don't want to pretend anymore. And he also reveals that he has invited his sister Jamila and her husband and baby to meet their family. The family finally embraces Jamila and her husband. And then Zoe runs off to the treehouse and she's like, psst come here Kaz and he's like teehee what and she's like let's kiss again in the treehouse just like our first kiss and he's like haha okay and then they kiss I don't know why I was so irritated that it took them forever to kiss so long she keeps like like, leaning in and then pulling back and then leaning in and pulling back and it's like Like, just kiss already Anyways. And then they do. Anyways, they at do. least they do. And they, they do. live ha- happily ever. It's implied that they get married, <laughs> I think, right? Yeah. By the credits. But they're taking it slow. They're taking it right. slow. They just yeah. want to get to know each other more. Um, really? I thought they knew each other really well. But anyway. Since childhood? <laughs> yeah. Who Since knows? childhood, right. right. <laughs> and I like that because at the end you get in the credits, you get just, I don't know, if it feels very like 2007 rom-com where you're like, oh, it's just like a bunch of kind of like bloopery, like where are they now kind of things. Mm-hmm. And Maymoon is back and apparently maybe broke up with that person she was dating because she's <laughs> yeah. like, I finished college. I'm My parents lawyer. love me see ya and I was like yeah Yeah. good for her you go girl (laughs) um so that's the movie let's take a quick break and we'll come back to discuss happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. All right. Um, where shall we start? Sadi, is there anything that was um, that stood out to you that you wanted to start with? Um, a lot of thoughts. I think they could have developed Memuna's character a little more. I mm-hmm. did not see that change or evolution of who she was, why was she pretending to be the way she was during her Skype calls. And then in the end, she says, my parents love me. I'm a human rights lawyer. Well, if your parents love you, you could have confided in them before getting married and they would have Mm -hmm. been fine with it. So why take that journey? Like, why was documentary the trigger for everyone to realize (laughs) what was happening in their lives? How shitty their lives were? So I, I have problem with that. I honestly like Aisha's character more, although she is problematic in some ways, but then Mm -hmm. she's the matriarch and she is who she is and Mm -hmm. she has agency. I think she has more agency than Zoe or Mamuna. I think so too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that honestly, like, and Kath is such a goofy character, but I think that (laughs) Aisha and Kath both sort of have more agency than the younger women in the movie, which is interesting. I mean, I wonder how intentional that was. As I was watching this, I sort of, because I think that the movie, and I know that, and I guess I I, I didn't see the interviews where Jemima Khan was saying that this was not uh, an autobiographical story, even though it reflected elements of her life where it's like a white documentarian marries into a Pakistani family, although you know, I guess that in the space of this movie, Zoe does not technically marry into a Pakistani family. But mm-hmm. I, as I was watching this, I feel like the movie definitely overly focuses on Zoe in a way that centers whiteness in a way that feels un, like kind of icky and unnecessary. And that might just be coming from the writer's experience. But as I was watching this, because they reference maybe it's because Emma Thompson's in it and they reference love actually at the beginning of the movie by calling it <laughs> love contractually. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I thought that this movie would have worked for me more if it was treated more as an ensemble cast versus yeah. putting Zoe and Kaz's relationship at the center of the movie. Because I, Sadia, I totally agree. I think there were all of these characters that I wanted so much more from, and I would have loved to like cut away to, especially like, I also wanted more Jamila. I was so interested in Jamila's backstory relationship with her mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it was very like satisfying to see her, accepted back into her family at the end of the movie but I wanted I mean I was just really interested in how long have they been separated for like what was Mm -hmm. her relationship with Aisha like before that like it just it felt like there was it was a missed opportunity not including Jamila as more than kind of a, a plot point and I think yeah she is more certainly more interesting than Zoe um as a character and yeah, I just wish that there was more because I think that there is a really interesting spread of characters, but we don't really get to know many of them. And then Zoe making this documentary, which we've already said is like her coming into this subject matter with no objectivity. The whole time she's just basically like mocking Kaz's 
him and his his values his cultural values his family's values she's being like judgy and snarky the whole time about it in a way that like feels very like racist and xenophobic where it's like yeah these these cultural practices that are different than mine well I think they're ridiculous is her stance basically but through making this documentary she reunites this family like the sister Jamila comes back and everyone embraces her at the end and that's like kind of the big climactic moment of the movie and it's implied that that only happens because of Zoe's like interference which makes it a white savior story exactly it It does I'm so glad Caitlin you said that because I kept thinking about it Mm -hmm. and I was watching um, Jemima Han's press like she did a lot of press around it and one of the recurring themes was oh I just want to reorient people to what arranged marriage really is and I'll be the first one to say that arranged marriage has a lot of problems like people seek partners within certain castes, certain um, socioeconomic groups. Arranged marriage can be problematic, but then there Mm -hmm. are redeeming elements to it, as is with anything like dating apps. They can be very transactional and they Mm -hmm. can also be based on certain preferences that people have around education, looks, whatever. Mm -hmm. And after I watched the movie, I was like, ah, are you really saying that arranged marriage is not that bad? Because to me, it comes across as, you know what, arranged marriages, or she calls it assisted marriages, are really shitty way to find love. So yeah, I mean, I didn't take this whole thing of arranged marriages or assisted marriages are not that bad. Right, which is like a very judgmental way to present that even if that's your opinion, like, I don't know, there, there are so many issues I had with and and it's so bizarre, because I understand that the writer is like, this is not an insert for me. It's really hard to not see it that way. Mm-hmm. I had I kind of had to have difficulty not inherently connecting her to this character. But the ethos of the movie, I mean, seems to be it seems like this movie is for like it seems more directed at white audiences mm-hmm. than anyone else or Western audiences in general, people that don't have an understanding of Pakistani culture, but it comes at it in the, I mean, I think that the movie is coming at it from the same perspective that Zoe, the filmmaker is where it's like, let's myth bust. Like, okay, we all agree that this seems bad, but what if it's good? And you're like, that's not a neutral perspective to come in on. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. super judgmental. And then the, the way that the movie ends, I feel like implies that she was right all along. And yeah, totally. So, and, and I guess that the one, I mean, we, there are relationships. I know that Kaz's brother, oh, what's his brother's name? Farouk. Farouk. I mean, he is very happy in his marriage and that is presented. And like, I appreciate that, but they're such non-characters that it feels like it felt more like a gesture than any actual interest in exploring, like you're saying, Sadia, like this very complicated thing and in the same way where um when Kaz is first talking with his parents about what qualities he's looking for in a partner there is a reference it's like a joke about colorism and then but that's it and then it doesn't Mm -hmm. come back and there's like 
I don't know the way the way that this movie presented it I feel like I don't know I mean I don't know maybe Jemima Khan did collaborate I mean I, I read about her research process and it seems like she drew from her own experiences and then she said that she did 50 interviews with people who had had assisted marriages or gone through that process and then decided against it which okay that's great but it mm-hmm. still feels like her perspective is central to the way that Pakistani culture is presented. Right, because if it's not clear to listeners, so Jemima Khan is a journalist, documentarian. She's worked, you know, as an executive producer in TV quite a bit. This is her first screenplay, but she is a white woman. Yeah. who was married to Imram Khan for 10 years in the mid-90s to mid-2000s. She lived in Pakistan with him, I think, for those 10 years. Yeah. I believe she converted to Islam when they got married. So she and has... And I guess had done reporting on this topic in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Right. But, but she is a, a white woman with a... Yeah with that perspective, like an outsider's perspective telling the story, which like before I started doing research on who made the movie, I just saw, you know, written by Jemima Khan. I didn't know who that was. And I assumed because of her last name, oh, this is probably a Pakistani writer. But then I was like, none of this is adding up. Like, why is this a white savior story? Why is there's so much like scrutiny toward this cultural practice? And then I looked up who Jemima Jemima Khan was and I was like oh everything makes sense now the movie is directed by uh, an Indian director a man named um, Shakar Kapoor but the artistic vision as far as like the narrative goes was written by a white woman and I'm like oh this makes a lot of sense you know it's interesting Jemima Khan first of all is revered in Pakistan Mm. because of you know the way she almost adapted to a culture that was so alien to her and she's taken more nuanced approach to Pakistani politics, Muslim identity. Her work is pretty symbolic of the nuance that she adds. After watching this movie, I was almost disappointed because Mm. I felt like the person that she is and how explicit she is about the nuances that she wants to explore through that identity, whether it's Muslim or Pakistani, she did not bring that to this particular movie. And as you said, I don't know if she was trying to appeal more to the Western audience, but then the idea should have been to give them something to ruminate over, right? To have more conversations around rather than, ah, you know, this is what was expected. Mm -hmm. So I honestly was disappointed in this movie that's in, yeah I, I i wasn't aware i had heard i mean i'd seen some of her documentaries in the past which are all unrelated um but yeah it it felt i don't know and i know that i think she's fairly new to the fiction space in general but it it's it felt like a really poor application of write what you know because if there's like <laughs> sure do that but like not when your other objective is to responsibly portray a culture that is not your native culture. Um, I have a quote from her that I think 
because I, because I, I was, I, when I learned more about her, at least in the abstract, because I, I didn't know what her reputation in Pakistan was, but, um, yeah, once I learned more about her, I was like, okay, has she said who this movie is for? And she kind of has, like, she, I think, is willing to and kind of has admitted that this movie is more geared towards Western audiences to show Pakistani people in a genre where they do not normally appear. So I have a quote from her here where she expands on that. I have a lot of thoughts about it, but we'll discuss. She says, Mm -hmm. uh, the question is, what compelled you to focus on the subject of assisted marriage as your first script? She says, quote, in part, the reason why I chose the genre of rom-com was because I'd never seen a rom-com that features Pakistan. And I felt Pakistanis, I know, definitely feel their country and culture have been somewhat unfairly demonized on screen. They feel they're always seen as the terrorists, the butt of the jokes, the shady ISI operatives or whatever. I understand there is a scary side to Pakistan because I experienced that as well. But there is also this incredibly beautiful side of that country and the people which I experienced when I was there. Whether it's the music, the food, the architecture, the color, the vibrancy, the hospitality, all of that I felt was worth showcasing, unquote. So inside of that, it feels like she is basically saying this is for Western audiences Mm -hmm. specifically (laughs) i still don't agree with her approach at all i think it's very weird uh and reductive totally you're absolutely right and to me yes you see some smattering of redeeming qualities right so when kaz talks about number 47 and number 48 are worlds apart or when they joke about random checks at airports i get Mm. that um Mm -hmm. I've been pulled aside for a random check. I've lived in the U.S. for over two decades. I'm a U.S. citizen. And I know that happens, right? And it Mm -hmm. is extremely frustrating. And to her defense, maybe she was trying to just put it out there and let the audience see it without being too preachy. But my problem is not with what she showed in a subtle way. My problem is the overarching theme of this story, which to me, Mm -hmm. as Jamie and Caitlin, both of you said, is reductive and extremely symbolic of the white savior narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it uh, it it's frustrating, especially because now I'm like, how does this? I don't know. I, I do. It seems like her heart was in the right place when she was doing this. Yeah. But like the character of Zoe, it seems like she should have meaningfully included Pakistani people in the process of making this. Cause otherwise it seems, I mean, it's a very, like I get it as when you're making something, it is difficult to not make your perspective central to it. But it's like, mm-hmm. if, if you're aware of that, which I would imagine she would be because she's such an accomplished documentary producer, then it is on you to bring in people who can you know give the film what it needs and it seems like that wasn't really done here and Mm -hmm. whether her heart is in the right place which it seems like it very well may be it's like it's clear that like she is the main character in a movie Mm -hmm. where she's claiming that that's not the goal of the movie and that her like white western colonizer perspective is actually the right one and she's showing that by saying 
yeah, because the arranged or assisted marriage thing doesn't work. See, it didn't work with Kaz and Maimuna. It didn't happen for Jamila, and she seemed super happy with her family. The characters who it does seem to work for are either framed as antagonistic forces in Kaz's mom, or they are characters who we barely get to know, such as Farouk and um, his partner... What was her name? Yasmin, maybe? Um, anyway. And they're, they're also... I was like, God... And they're a Harry Potter couple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yeah, it's true. Did either of you see the movie Polite Society that came out earlier this year? I haven't. I've heard so many good things about it, and I have yet to watch it. Same. I loved it. It's so funny. It's so good. And it tells a similar story in the sense that it's like examining arranged marriages in specifically a Pakistani family who live in the UK from the perspective that you would want to hear that from because it was written and directed by Nita Mansour who grew up in a Pakistani Muslim family Mm. so there's no white lens there's no like you know it's it's just like a very funny smart clever examination of that and I highly recommend it to everybody I loved it Cool. Interesting. You know, Sajil Ali, who plays Maimuna in this film, is a brilliant actress, a brilliant mm-hmm. Pakistani actress. And I feel like her character was not developed or exploited the way she could have been, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really eager to watch the other movie now because at the end of the day, it's not a judgment on love or arranged marriage. I think arranged marriage in many ways is problematic and I'll be the first one to say but at the end of the day what I took away from it is it's even more problematic than people would believe it to be based on watching a movie like this one what what's love got to do with it (laughs) it's so confusing because I feel like I don't know I, I think it's interesting that the writer is distancing herself from the character of Zoe in this way, I feel like it would be more honest and make more sense and be more like more honest to the viewer to say that like clearly for her assisted marriage for her and her ex-husband, like assisted marriage was not what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And like, because that is their personal experience. And I feel like, you know, it it just feels interesting that she chose she's choosing to distance herself from it but it's like no it that is a part of like your marriage's story why distance because it, it makes mm-hmm. it it at least contextualizes where she's coming from but because it's presented in this sort of like vacant space it's it it feels very judgmental and it seems like the tacit statement of this movie is the Western approach to like the current Western approach to relationships is correct, which also feels confusing because the movie kind of waffles on that as well, where it's sort of mm-hmm. implied that James and Zoe's relationship is a different kind of arrangement that mm-hmm. Emma Thompson's character is trying to do, but that's kind of dropped also. And like, I wasn't quite sure what the movie was trying to say, there? That, that's a great point, Jamie, because their arrangement could also be considered an assisted something. Totally. Right? But at the end of the day, look, 
marriage as an institution is problematic after <laughs> yes. a decade all marriages suck whether arranged or not arranged i am not in an arranged marriage and i still mm-hmm. feel marriage is work in progress always mm-hmm. so maybe we should have a movie about marriage as an institution yeah and and let's let's really dissect that first <laughs> yeah well it's and i feel like this movie was in an interesting position to say more about that but then kind of chickened out on the proper way to do it because we also have um zoe's friends we have like her close friend who has the kids that she's won't stop telling these horrible boring stories to (laughs) it's convoluted i was like god if that was my aunt i'd be like please just give me the ipad stop (laughs) Um, (laughs) what are you talking about um but her nieces they're they're i think they're the kids of her friend yeah helena who is sort of set up to be it's just all nothing quite connected with me uh where it's like they were trying she was trying to say something there where it was like helena and harry okay so harry is cheating on his wife and it's clearly (laughs) taking a, a big emotional toll on her And that I feel like the movie presents as like a strike against the Western approach to marriages. But that becomes confusing because we know nothing about these characters. And like, so I guess we're, I think it like the implication there is like, well, they didn't have an assisted marriage. So it was true love. And so true, like, I don't, I I just was confused at like, there were all these different relationships presented in a very intentional way but it didn't add up to anything that made cohesive sense to me i also felt that the movie casts judgment on zoe's character for doing anything besides like trying to be in a long-term committed relationship because there are different scenes where she like goes to a club and goes home with a random guy and, and it always bad happens every yeah, time right also the guy that she goes home with that she realizes is married i thought was the same guy as james the vet because <laughs> they look exactly alike and i'm just like what she has a type okay she's got a type she has a type because <laughs> <laughs> all the guys she we see like a montage prior to that earlier in the movie of various guys that she has gone on dates with who you know end up not being the one and they all look the same too and I'm like stop casting the same exact like white guy with light brown hair who's like the same height and build as every other guy in the movie you know what if James and Zoe ended up together Mm -hmm. that would be a case for assisted marriage right it would have it would have been yeah it's this movie comes down firmly any kind of assisted marriage is <laughs> why bother but mm-hmm. here's this harry potter couple so i guess you could get lucky and you're just like <laughs> that's it feels i don't know and i've another i feel bad i feel like i'm like roasting this writer but it i i was really frustrated with her approach because i feel like another element that frustrated me about zoe and kind of puts me on the defensive about Jemima Khan saying that this character is not a self-insert is that a lot of this is more of like just a general feeling I have about rom-coms where I feel like rom-coms that work 
the romantic leads have a good sense of humor about themselves. And that's mm-hmm. sort of like why it feels relatable and easy connect- to connect to. Zoe does not have a good sense of humor about herself at all. She is very defensive, not in the way that like, I don't know, this is like the same production, this production company, I was reading a lot of the coverage of like, will this be the comeback for this legendary rom-com production company? This is the same production company that released kind of every popular um, British rom-com in the last 20 or 30 years. Like they're, Mm. it's the same company that put out Bridget Jones and all these other movies. Mm -hmm. And like what works about a good rom-com is the calm and like, the leads have a good sense of humor about like, okay, my love life keeps not working out, but it's not like a humorless vacuum in a way. Like Zoe takes herself way too seriously. And so does Kai. She doesn't prop fall once. Well, I need no, to I'm see- not saying that though. I mean, <laughs> I, I just know, like, but like, <laughs> it just feels like she and she and cause in different moments, but more so Zoe just feel very self-important and judgmental and i think zoe is the center of that i don't know like there there was some rom i wasn't really feeling the calm not a lot of calm also i don't quite even understand why zoe and kaz end up together at the end because they don't seem to have anything in common as far as like yes their philosophies on life love and romance and life in general they have no shared hobbies except for table tennis like why are they even together yeah you're right i didn't even think of that that makes know. so much sense. Why? The whole movie is them arguing about their philosophies on what a relationship should be. Well, um, and I think it like overstates this. I mean, I guess because you were like, why are these two together? Which is how we felt. We felt about a lot of rom-coms. But like, <laughs> I think it also like overstates whatever. I think the logic of this movie and the logic of a lot of Western romance movies assumes a level of progressiveness Hmm. to western relationships while characterizing assisted marriage or any really eastern relationship as regressive Mm -hmm. but also the ethos to every single hallmark movie that's ever come out is like you should marry your neighbor and you're like (laughs) it's christmas time and you have to get married now yeah it's it's christian christmas and (laughs) you have to marry your neighbor whether you like them or not and you're like well (laughs) where is the where is the progressiveness like it's it's all you know like the subtext of it is very regressive i don't see a happily ever after for them I really don't. Mm-mm. No, they're gonna butt heads about a lot of things. He's going like they are going to divorce. They are going to divorce eventually as well. That's that's <laughs> yeah. my take on it. For sure, I think <laughs> y- you know there will be problems with the in-laws because one, Kath is the queen of microaggressions. It seems that Aisha resents Zoe taking an interest in her son. Like that, yeah, the relationship is never gonna work out. Um, yeah, that that brings me back to like why I wish Jamila had been allowed to be an actual character in the movie, mm-hmm. where it felt very like tie a bow on a rom com move to have Jamila come over one time and have her entire family immediately accept her, even though the stakes were set extremely high as to yeah. why she was no longer welcome. It just was like 
I need to understand why this is happening other than there's five minutes left in the movie. <laughs> yeah, truly. And I, something that I do like about the movie, at least on its surface, is, you know, I was talking before about how rom-coms are usually not the genre for me, but for specific reasons. Like, I'm excited by and I'm always on the lookout for rom-coms that have a compelling reason that the two characters don't get together until the end because for for many rom-coms the kind of the narrative vehicle or the narrative thrust you might say uh, Caitlin loves is... to say thrust and I fucking hate and it's it awesome I hate it so the narrative thrust Yuck. is that there is something keeping the lovers apart for most of the movie now Historically, in a lot of rom-coms, it's a very toxic or reductive reason. It's like one or both characters are lying to each other throughout the whole movie, or there's some kind of like bet or deceit, or like the woman is too focused on her magazine job and she can't make time for her personal life, or there's something oh, like tropey and I exhausting kinda, like that. I kind of love rom-coms for that, where they're like, this job, so, well, it this movie does it where it's like yes. her job of documentary which is looking at laptop and drinking red wine <laughs> means that she can never be happy <laughs> like, okay. sure so i i appreciate rom-coms that subvert those tropes or try to subvert them and i feel like this movie again on its surface finds an interesting and compelling reason that the characters don't get together until the end and it is one that like you know there are tropes and it is a lot of her scrutinizing his cultural values but it is these cultural values that are like kind of preventing them to be together yeah absolutely right so i was like okay that's interesting on its surface again it's not executed very well but i did at least appreciate that that the characters although i would say that they're actually not honest with each other because if they were honest with each other kaz would just be like hey I have a crush on you and she'd be like, I have a crush on you too. Should we kiss at the beginning of the movie instead of at the end? Like, right. Well, yeah, that, I think that that's like, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of issues this movie has, but one of them is like, we should believe that they really want to be together the whole time mm -hmm. or this narrative device is like far less effective. Right. But yeah, Sadia, I agree with you. It's like, I don't think that they want the same things in life. And because also we don't really know what Kaz wants. Like we just yeah. sort of, mm -hmm. he gives sort of a very generic, like, I'm a good guy. I want a lady that has a job or not. I want someone <laughs> who's nice or not or mean. <laughs> and you're like, it's so vague. <laughs> and then we know that she, she's kind of like Liz lemoning a little bit. And she's like, I, you know, can women have it all? And you're like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you can. Because you I don't know. Yeah, like if 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 you want to tell the story, I feel like you have to give us two characters that it's like I need these people together. Yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for them, and at no yeah. point was I rooting for them to be together. I wasn't either. And you're right. they also weren't really rooting for them. <laughs> like that was how I knew. Where I was like, oh, I don't. I guess I don't believe in this relationship because you know that scene where 
they're texting and she almost sends don't get married tomorrow and then she deletes it and (laughs) involuntarily I was like good it's good that she didn't send that and I was like well I guess I'm not rooting for them (laughs) yeah does anyone have anything else they'd like to discuss um I don't think so yeah my one last thing is just like a quick overview on the parents generation and how they're approaching various relationship thing like outlooks and also Kath being like best friends with the Khan family but saying nothing but racist things about them the entire time which is like pretty boomer behavior <laughs> generally speaking but it makes you wonder like she seems to have been friends with them for many many years you you think that she would scale back on her extremely offensive and reductive views about this family that that she claims is like her best friends but who knows yeah it's presented very uh in a way that i felt like cut kath a lot of slack also they cast emma thompson you're like and you don't want me to like her i know it's it's hard i love her but there but i think it's very presented like that's just kath as if it warrants no examination beyond that's just kath Right, because you also have Zoe sort of calling her out sometimes, but also only doing the bare minimum. She's letting a lot of shit slide. She's also saying some kind of weird things herself sometimes. <laughs> well, that's, okay, that's something I had written down to you. I was like, is Kath as comically like xenophobic as she acts just to make Zoe look less xenophobic <laughs> In comparison, maybe maybe you're right. That sounds right. I would say, though, with Kat's character, I can see somebody like her in her generation, her age group, saying all the things that she's saying. So I would expect that from somebody like Kat. It is super realistic. It is super realistic, right? So I think that's why I don't get mad at her as much because I'm like, Mm. yeah, I could see somebody like uh, saying things that she's saying in this film, right? Sure. For sure. I just wish that Zoe had been more active about like holding her mom accountable for all the shit she was saying. But it's like, again, very bare minimum stuff that Zoe is doing. That's just Kaz. And then for Kaz's parents, when they're like, we already alluded to this scene, but that moment when they're listing off the criteria that they're wanting in a partner for him Aisha's like, yeah, not too dark and um, long hair and soft spoken, which to me read as like oh. hyper feminine. Um, there's an implication that they're only interested in someone from like a similar class or like the same, like, because yeah. so, uh, they they seem to be well to do. Um, and then the <laughs> the dad says, you know, a woman who's not too ambitious or too into women's lib. And I was like, wow. Yikes, sir. (laughs) And you know what? I can again see somebody from that generation in Pakistan Mm -hmm. saying all those things. Not just that generation. Uh, I'm sure, again, um, arranged marriages can be problematic. But I wish Kaz said something. I wish he intervened. I wish he said something like, oh, this is so wrong. Why would you say all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. He's just sitting there quiet as if he doesn't have anything to say. 
Yeah. And that really bothered me more than his parents saying all those things. Totally. Yeah, I felt like that was, um, I guess, not in a good way, but one of the things that Zoe and Kaz had in common was that Zoe very lightly pushed back on her parents' prejudice, and so did Kaz. And I feel like that was done as a reflexive gesture by the filmmakers to be like, well, that's how this generation would act. And this generation doesn't approve. But we don't see them actually do anything or Mm -hmm. meaningfully push back about it. So it sort of ends up being like, well, it just felt like a kind of an empty gesture to have them even react if there is no follow-up or yeah whatever Mm -hmm. yeah i do appreciate that kaz challenges zoe in that one scene where she's like how are we even different and he's like well you don't get asked where you're from and how Mm -hmm. often you go back to pakistan all the time you get the privilege of being able to say that you're british not british born like i have to say Mm -hmm. you know you're not expected to apologize on behalf of all brown people anytime there's a terror attack in the world so he at least does challenge her but i wish yeah there was like more pushback from the 32 year olds of this movie (laughs) and that and that scene to me is one of the more powerful scenes in mm-hmm. the movie, right? Because it really spoke to a lot of us who've been through those situations, right? Where we've been judged for somebody else's actions mm-hmm. or we've been treated, mistreated based on how some other people are acting mm-hmm. or reacting. So I think that really spoke to me. And I wish, as you said, he did more of that mm-hmm. in a subtle way because his dynamic with his parents would be different coming from an east asian culture he probably would be more respectful or whatever but he could still push back on Mm -hmm. colorism he could push back Mm -hmm. on how they were objectifying women that they were trying to or brides that they were trying to look for him totally which again is a bit disappointing yeah absolutely anything else no does this movie pass the Bechtel test um I think so right at least between uh, it passes between Zoe and her mom a number of times Mm -hmm. it doesn't pass between characters that I wish it did I don't think it passes between Pakistani women at any point in the movie really which feels again just like if whatever I mean it as we've discussed a million times the Bechtel test is like not the be all end all of anything Mm -hmm. but I do think it's instructive where it's like if it is a diverse movie uh, and includes a white family and a Pakistani family and it only passes the Bechtel test inside of the white family Mm -hmm. not great and and that's the the relationship dynamic that you get a lot more of screen time then those are the with, women that are being prioritized. There are a few scenes where um, the grandmother is telling her story of her arranged marriage. And oh, that's true. Aisha is like translating and also kind of like talking to her. I, I think also maybe toward the end when the grandmother and Jamila interact that could pass but those are very brief scenes in a movie that you would think those characters would be interacting more and I guess I was also coming from the place of like talking about marriage it is I I thought like implied that yeah right marriage to a man right you're right I think there are a couple of conversations between Aisha and Kath as well which is not within Mm. the same community but 
those conversations about i guess food or culture are outside mm-hmm. the realm of you know marriage dating mm-hmm. boys men whatever totally oh and it passes when maimuna says beautiful documentary zoe oh it does <laughs> okay and she's I like take back what ah. i said <laughs> but also yeah that's the, yeah. that's the trigger point for her that's when she you know has all the power and she gains power to to tell everybody that she's not interested. Yes, it's the true. documentary, the the, the um, very judgy documentary made by a white woman empowers her to realize sets Memuna free. <laughs> what if the documentary was not made? Then they would be in this relationship forever. Forever. I, forever. I kind of also love that the documentary canonically never comes out. Like you're just <laughs> like. <laughs> For the best, <laughs> honestly, right. for the best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to the perfect metric on which to evaluate a movie, which is, of course, our nipple scale, where we rate the movie on a scale of zero to five nipples uh, based on examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. And I would give this... Honestly, I think it's going to have to be like a split down the middle, 2.5, maybe three nipples. I wish I could give it more because, as you said at the top, Sadia, it's a rom-com that features a Pakistani family and that represents Pakistani people and Muslim people in a way that, you know, Western movies rarely do which is great, but because of the lens that the story is being told through, it fumbles <laughs> a lot and ends up just saying like, rather than like an objective examination of something like an arranged or an assisted marriage, it's coming down as like with the same point of view as the main character who is just like, being incredibly judgy and mocking a lot of the time in a way that feels like there are racist undertones Hmm. islamophobic undertones and things like that so with that in mind yeah i think i'll do two and a half nipples and i will give one to maimuna i'll give one to jamila the sister and I'll give my half nipple to the grandmother who was like, I had to ride off on a horse that I was allergic to and was not really happy about the whole thing. And then <laughs> I don't know if she is Aisha's mother or if she's, wait, what's causes dad's name i think she's she is aisha's mother okay so like yeah <laughs> her daughter the maternal is like mistranslating to be like no it was an awesome experience full of love <laughs> so um the grandmother gets my uh my half nipple uh i'm gonna give it two and a half as well i think that this movie i mean we've we've talked about like i think that this movie was an attempt i i want to be so generous to the writer as to say her heart is in the right place I think it really could have benefited from a co-writer mm-hmm. and it it seems like even if this movie is um 
a, as she says, like her attempt to be more inclusive and show Western audiences a Pakistani family in this genre, which I think is a, a good instinct. And it's not even like she is a completely illogical person to do that. But it felt like a collaboration would have sort of kept things in check in a more responsible way because I do think that Pakistani families obviously should be included in all genres of movie including goofy rom-coms like this one (laughs) you know goofy rom-coms where there's no chemistry between the leads everyone (laughs) should be in those movies great Um, but it did seem like if that is her goal strictly having a white British woman write it even with her connections to Pakistan it doesn't totally make sense and it doesn't totally come together for this movie um and on a personal I mean I just felt like there were so many women in this movie who I was more interested in than the lead character and it ended up being kind of a frustrating experience of like there is a lot here but the places the movie focuses are very pointed uh and very Mm -hmm. white and colonially centered and also boring so <laughs> kind of the worst of both worlds in some ways but I, I do think the, you know I, I I hope you know years down the line this is viewed as kind of more of a stepping stone movie towards a more inclusive uh, rom-com landscape this one was kind of a miss for me although it had its moments and I love mm-hmm. Mimuna and Okay, so I'm going to do two and a half nipples, and I'm going to give one to Mimuna, one to Jamila, and a half to Aisha. Three characters that I thought were really interesting, and I wish that mm-hmm. we had gotten to see more of them outside of how they relate to Kaz and Zoe, who to me were the least interesting characters <laughs> in the movie. Truly. 100%. Uh, that's why I'm like, they deserve each other. I didn't like them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, for me, I'm I'm still confused as to whether I should do two or two and a half because I did have a lot of expectations mm-hmm. from this movie and I'm really disappointed. But I do agree that I would give one to the grandmother. I wanted to know more about her character and her backstory. Mm-hmm. Half to Aisha and half each to Memuna and Jamila because even Memuna at times was annoying because I didn't know where she stood. Um, Her character was so inconsistent. It was was so inconsistent and it bothered me. I was like... That's fair. If she has this, you know, modern liberal family and if she is studying to be a human rights lawyer... Why why does she pretend to be somebody else? I there are so many women in Pakistan who are comfortable expressing their agency, especially those who come from families like Memunas. And it just mm-hmm. was mind boggling to me. They they weren't consistent in her characterization and that really bothered me. Yeah. Well, Sadia, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a treat. Come back anytime. Yeah, bring us anything. We love we love it all. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Where can people check out your podcasts, follow you on social media, etc.? So podcasts, Immigrantly and Invisible Hate are on every streaming platform. They can follow me on Twitter at SWKKHAN. It's SWKHAN. 
and don't ask me why I came up with that because <laughs> Sadia is a very common name and I couldn't find um, another handle but mm. um, you can also find Immigrantly at Immigrantly underscore pod on Twitter and on Instagram at Immigrantly pod. Wonderful. Amazing. You can follow us at Bechtelcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can also scoot over to our Patreon, aka Matreon, at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where you get two bonus episodes every month for only $5 a month. And it also gets you access to our back catalog of 150 bonus episodes. You can also uh, check us out uh, if you want some merch over at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast for all your merchandising needs. And with that, um, let's go into the treehouse and kiss. And take forever to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.